Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Rugby Series. We are finishing with an absolute bang and joined by Tyler Nathan Wong, New Zealand rugby superstar, been to Olympics, silver medalist and is set to compete in our second Olympics this summer in Tokyo. Yeah, we're absolutely buzzing to be joined by Tyler Nathan Wong to finish like all the amazing athletes that we've had on the podcast this series, which has been supported throughout by our two amazing partners, Boo Barber and Regardless. So Boo Barber, as we always shout about, make chest guards that go inside your sports bra. They protect your breasts while you're playing high impact sport or running. They're absolutely amazing. They're an Aussie company and you should definitely check them out. They make guards for all ages and all sizes. And yeah, it's so important for women to look after their breast health. So you can get a discount code with women. The discount code is women who sport, which will get you 20% off their products. Our other partner is Regardless, who make custom-made mouth guards and the Dubois and Bite mouth guards. But it's a custom-made one that I've been wearing all season and that I'm always raving about. And with the code WWS20, you can get 20% off their products for all sport that would require a mouth guard. News girl. of the week. Oh, news of the week. Okay, yeah. So. <laughs> and then, girl. <laughs> news of the week. Okay, so my big news of the week is England winning the... ODI test matches against India in the women's cricket. Um, I was fortunate enough to go and see the final test. And although England didn't win, it was a really, really good display of women's sport. I'm pretty sure India won it by, I think there was like three runs in it. They chased it down, pretty much won the game in the dying moments. Um, And I just thought, you know what, this is a really good display of women's sport off the back of a shitty couple of years with COVID. Oh, I love it. I didn't realise you were there. That's so fun. Yeah, it was a good day. So our bad news of the week is, <laughs> so we've just Googled this. The In the Netball Super League, I've seen this article that was saying athletes who come over to the UK from other countries can't make a living wage because of the visa, because clubs don't pay them much. And because of the visa regulations, you're not allowed to work alongside it. So therefore you can't make a lot of money. And I was reading that being like, oh, that's shocking. It's not fair at all. Then I was like, "That's it happens in rugby as well. Like it's a big problem that we've seen in our league um so yeah I guess our bad news of the week is that while they're classing these sports leagues as professional by doing that athletes aren't getting enough paid but then can't work alongside it if they're coming from over nation so then they're just like stuck making the bare minimum scrape by yeah it's tricky and especially when you compare that to male counterparts granted there isn't a male professional netball team but if you look at like the rugby girls that are over here in other sports where there are male kind of internationals playing in British leagues that that level of support is so different and it's recognizing that still got a bit of a way to go and it's mad because like realistically like there's players coming over from Canada and making getting paid six grand a year by their clubs like imagine a male player coming over from wherever and getting paid six grand a year to play in the top week here like it just wouldn't happen hopefully something that can change in the next couple of years yeah definitely and I think we are on a forward kind of upward trajectory so sit out wait and see yeah and until it's equal we'll keep shouting about it on a podcast exactly we also wanted to chat about Wimbledon but we actually know nothing about tennis but we're just acknowledging that that's on and it's really cool and yeah, there's a, there's a kind of a wild card Brit in there that's got a big match either today or tomorrow. Yeah, let's just 
subtle advice from Sarah yeah. Bonner. <laughs> There's a Brit playing at Wimbledon. She's female. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Right. Let's get Sharon Martin on and get into it with Tyler. You're only 26 and you've already had like a pretty ridiculous sevens career with New Zealand Seven, making you debut at 18, coming over from Touch Rugby, if I've got that right. So Yes, correct. Yeah, what is your journey into Rugby Sevens? Yeah, so I kind of had my first taste of rugby really when I was like 13 years old and that was at high school and then just played 15s um, up until I was about I think 16, 17, where seven started kind of coming into the scene more. Because by then, I think it was in 2009, 2010, it um, was introduced to the Olympics. And so I was like, you know what? Why not give this a shot? I'm enjoying rugby. I'm enjoying 15s. Why not give the, the shorter uh, version of the game a go? And yeah, 2012, uh, New Zealand rugby held this thing called a Go for Gold campaign. And little, um, there was a little like tryout. So they invited any female athlete from any sport to come down and give sevens a go pretty much. And so there was different ones all around the country. And I was living in Auckland at the time. So I went to one of the Auckland ones and pretty much got picked up from there into the first kind of camp. And that was held down in um, Waiuru, down at the army base. So it was like freezing cold, snow, um, were hand, kind of handed over to the army and, you know, do the assault course and all this kind of stuff. That was our first taste of um, the Sevens program together. And yeah, been in a part of it ever since pretty much, since 2011, 2012, when the whole Go For Gold campaign started. So I think we're coming up, I think this is our 10th year um, yeah, in, in the team. And so going from the 17-year-old kid to now like 26, 27 next month, I've pretty much grown up in this program. And there's a good handful of us too that have, I guess, been there since the beginning now and just seen the growth of not only the game in New Zealand, but in the world as well. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that. In the time that you've been in the programme, like what changes have you seen since yeah, that first year as like a, a 17, 18-year-old to what you're experiencing now? Uh, so for yeah, for us here in New Zealand, the Blackburns team, we've gone from pretty much being amateurs to now professional rugby players and the whole contract thing, you know, that comes with it. And now this is my, you know, full-time job. I am a rugby seven player for New Zealand and that's what I get to do for a living. Whereas when we first started, you know, I was still at high school. Um, a lot of the girls in my team were having to work full time and try and like, you know, whenever we had a tournament, they'd have to take unpaid leave from work because they'd already used up all their paid leave. And so it was, yeah, there's a lot of juggling going on. We were training at like 4.30, 5 a.m. in the morning. I was going to school, they were going to work and then we we're training again um, later on at nighttime. So we've been, yeah, we've kind of been through that whole um, amateurism of the game and now in the professional era. And did you have to, was there a time between school and going pro that you had to work or were you just at the right age that like, yeah, I don't know, you bypassed that? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty much at that, that right age where I went from school and then kind of into the programme and around the time I kind of got it, like, it continued, it went from um, amateur to part-time to full-time professional, yeah. So I was like, oh, that, that, perfect, that perfect age, really. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Yeah. And for you, like, as when you got capped, you were the youngest person in the squad, and obviously now, like, you'll be such a leader in that squad. Like, how is, 
how has that development been for yourself like what growth have you seen in yourself in that time yeah it's been pretty amazing man I've gone from this like little kid who just looked up to all these incredible players the likes of like Carla Hohepa um Linda Itunu um Puriana Manuel like these players that were I was playing alongside and now call you know they're my really good friends and we catch up you know when we can type thing so I've just seen myself grow massively like from just and physically from my the strength and conditioning getting fitter faster stronger um then just um also you know the mental side of the game and being able to know how to switch on and switch off um being able to you know when things aren't going right and you put in that pressure cooker and you have to make split decisions just learning how to deal with that better and then also you know failure and disappointment that comes about sport as well in regards to injuries and all that kind of thing just learning a whole heap about myself as a person and how I you know can cope or if I start you know cracking under that pressure what I can do to kind of get back into you know the green or the blue or whatever they call it <laughs> it's so funny how people in sport just chat in colors and like it yeah, makes I know, sense. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually leads us on really nicely so like New Zealand are an absolute force to be reckoned with in the World Series like winning six of the eight past seasons if Wikipedia's got that right so does that like, does a winning record, does it add to the pressure and expectation? Or do you think it's something that you can really build in the momentum of and use to your advantage? Yeah, like you said, it's always going to be there because, you know, we've won, we've won so often and we've done really well over the last 10 years. You know, that's always going to be there. But at the same time, it's how much you, I guess, um, let that affect you, you know, because a lot of that can be external. And so if you're fine internally and you don't put that pressure onto yourself, then you know, it's pretty sweet to just wake up every morning, go out, train, and continue to push yourself each day, even though you are at the top. And then, you know, they do say at the top, you can get complacent. And that's something that we try not to do um, as a team. And, you know, we try and challenge each other to get better, but then also work on our own individual things as well. So I think it's the motivation, I guess, to try and stay at the top, really. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because like, with New Zealand, it's not just like Blackburn Sevens. It's like the whole of New Zealand rugby just have this legacy that yeah you like it's it's so cool but I guess that you have to live up to yeah pretty much eh? <laughs> but in the day if, if we're just having fun enjoying like the journey and everything that comes with it that you know the winning ends up taking care of itself because you you know you know you're having fun you're enjoying yourself you end up performing so much better oh definitely I think with sevens especially like so much of it is about team culture and the relationships you have <laughs> with your teammates um, and I guess that willingness to work for each other so is that something that you guys work on or is it just like a byproduct of how long you've been together uh it's a bit of both actually so you know we've we're not perfect we've been through our ups and downs as an environment as well especially in that last cycle we finishing at rear we weren't in a good place as a team um we were quite divided um but then post that you know a bunch of us continued on into the this new four-year, five-year cycle now. <laughs> a lot of us continued on and we knew where we had been as a team and we knew we didn't want to go back there. So we've worked extremely hard just to you know, really create this awesome culture that we have in this team. Um, and that's led from our, you know, coaches all the way through, um, Alan Bunstein and Corey Sweeney, the job that they're doing at the front for us. And then it's just trickling down to us as players and like to be able to, you know, wake up every morning, um, time and commitment it takes from your families the sacrifice all that kind of stuff is you know it's massive for us as athletes to, to be able to commit to something like that so when it's team culture is you know spot on and it's humming and it's fun and you actually want to wake up every morning and turn up to training 
that's something that we yeah we don't ever um want to go back to where we weren't you know like that and so we work extremely hard on our culture because we know when we're good off the field it's just going to make our performance even better on the field oh absolutely so like what changes did you make then from if you've experienced both sides <clears> of kind of how a culture can be to, to make sure that is spot on now i think just really digging deep and just having conversations i think honesty you know like anything you can say let's have those hard honest conversations um, you can say it, but a lot of the time it doesn't happen. I think that's something that we've really worked hard towards. Like if, you know, something on the field doesn't go right, don't, you know, don't take it into the change rooms and then let it dwell and start, you know, talking about it and then we can address it straight away. So it's just those little things, but also making sure, I guess, our values that and our, um, like, you know, our values and vision that we all buy into, everyone had a part of creating that. And I think when you've got buy-in from everyone, they feel like they've contributed to their overall team culture. I think that's what you need. You can't just have something that's there that only you know a handful of people have contributed to or felt like they've contributed to. Oh, love it. I think that's such <clears> an important <throat> point. And I guess you've touched on it, but you guys have like a pretty long history with this like rivalry with Australia. So having them in the final of the Olympics and getting silver, then beating them in the Commonwealth Games final two years later, like multiple finals in the world series so like can you tell us just how big is that rivalry between you guys and the Aussies yeah it's always been there and eh? like no matter what sport it is that trans-Tasman rivalry between New Zealand and Australia is you know is there and is living is going to be there no matter what <laughs> and so yeah it was pretty tough obviously going to the Olympics <clears throat> and then you know falling one short of that goal that you know everyone dreams of of getting so being able to go back in 2018, you know, and go across the ditch to Australia and actually to come away with that gold medal on their home soil was pretty sweet, by the way. That was a pretty cool feeling. But, yeah, it's like through playing touch football as well, touch rugby, um, we had the same thing, that Australia-New Zealand rivalry, but they always put us, you know, in touch. Like we'll maybe win a game, but we'll never win a series type thing. So rugby and to kind of you know be the more dominant I guess at the moment of the two is is pretty cool (laughs) yeah you've got to enjoy that yeah and and from the like obviously getting silver the last one which was is like obviously it's a fantastic achievement but I know that you guys are after gold is that something that you've really reflected on with this cycle and and used or is it something that you need to like put to bed and um, and yeah it's something that's always, I guess, at the, the back of your mind. You know, you're like, especially for us girls that were um, there at, in 2016 that um, actually went to those games. And so it's always at the back of the mind, like, oh, damn it, you know, that one thing, that last hurdle that we kind of haven't really achieved yet as a team or as an individual. Um, so it's always there, but it's not something that we are always 100% focusing on because at the end of the day, you know, you've you got to focus on the process, the journey. And if you do all of that right, you know, the outcome will happen. And the outcome being that gold medal and so it's nice to be like you know yep that gold medal's there but just really you know focusing in on every training you get every opportunity you get to uh, be with your teammates um, all that kind of stuff is I guess more important at this stage. Oh absolutely and it'll like make it all the sweeter having been through all that together. Exactly yeah you know it was like you said it was it was tough like, I remember yeah just breaking down in tears afterwards you know because you worked you know, four long years to get to that point and then just, I think it was by seven points that we lost that game, you know. Um, so that was tough. But then it was one of the other uh, New Zealand Olympians that actually put it into perspective for us. She's like, you know, first of all, only a handful of athletes get to come to the Olympics. 
And then from that select group, only a handful actually come away with a medal. So what you've done is pretty amazing. This is uh, what Emma Twig, one of the rowers, said to us. And so to hear that from her as well as, yeah, I was like, yeah, actually, no, you know what? What we've done and what we've achieved is pretty bloody great. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It must be such a funny feeling because, yeah, like as like an Olympic silver medal is an unbelievable achievement, but because you get it from losing that final yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Like... That's 100%. <laughs> it's not like a rowing race or like a, a kayak race, a sprint race or anything like that where you actually win the medal. Yeah. Our, our <laughs> tournament, our format, like you lose a silver, you know? Like, yeah, so when yeah. you think about it, bronze are probably like two of the best spots to be in because like you win it to get the gold and you win it to get the bronze <laughs> then you lose and get silver it's not right and losing it silver yeah <laughs> so COVID-19 obviously just like so topical at the moment especially in in the UK <laughs> potentially less so in New Zealand but that's like made Olympic prep for everybody look so different to what you would have anticipated so what challenges have you guys faced over the past year and actually like has have things been relatively normal for you guys with like you're maybe not used to wearing a mask 100% of the time yet <laughs> yeah um I'm not gonna lie we're pretty lucky where we are in New Zealand compared to the rest of the world being that kind of like island nation away from a, a lot of the countries um also compared to you guys in the UK and stuff like that uh, but uh, it all kind of happened I was actually uh, my partner and I were heading up north to um for his mum's 60th and then all of a sudden boom we're in lockdown <laughs> and I ended up being up there for two months and so that put a bit of a spanner in the works for our team um especially you know obviously everyone was vying for the Olympics and wanted the Olympics to go ahead and then all of a sudden boom it's it's postponed and I think it was a very variation I guess of how everyone um was feeling um for me personally I think because I'd been to an Olympics and it hadn't been cancelled it was postponed I think that I wasn't I didn't feel too bad. Like I was like, okay, no, yeah, okay, one more year, I've got this, I can do this. Like there was still some light at the end of the tunnel, but I know some of my other teammates took it a bit harder because that's you know something they had been working towards, and it, it just kind of popped up out of nowhere, COVID type thing, and so some of them took it a bit harder. So yeah, there's a variety of um emotions in our team. We split pretty much for the majority of that 2020 season. Um, we got to go play 15s again, which was pretty amazing. Like. I haven't played club 15s in, I think, 12 years. So that was cool to be able to go back um, and actually played up in Northland um, where my partner's family live. And so I ended up playing club rugby there. Then I got to play um, in our Farah Palmer Cup um, competition for Northland. It was only Northland's um, second ever time in the competition. And so me and Portia Woodman, um, one of my teammates here, we got to play for Northland where um, her her family's from and then also my dad's side um, originally from too. So that was pretty special to be able to go back to those smaller I guess regions really and to um, learn from them as much as we were helping them grow as well and then we pretty much reassembled um, this year mainly really when you think about it and kind of have just been going hard ever since and it's been cool to I guess a couple of weeks ago when we did get to play Australia um, when they got to come over and we actually opened that trans-Tasman bubble where you don't have to quarantine going in and out of um, Australia and New Zealand that's been cool just to have them come over and actually to play I guess someone else other than ourselves because it was getting a bit um getting a bit old you know playing against each other and knowing what each other was doing and all that kind of stuff. that was probably one of more of the challenge I think is just continuing uh, that motivation to you know get up um during those early days you know you're like you kind of train and there's so much uncertainty you're like well what am I training for is this even going to happen then boom world series is cancelled like oh what what are we actually training for um 
but my lockdown, I um, thoroughly enjoyed it actually where I was. I was just surrounded by nature. Um, pretty much, it was up in Northland. So Northland, um, I don't know about, it's quite isolated. It's quite rural area. Um, so yeah, I was like, there's no one around. We could go for long um, rounds. We could yeah, do whatever we want, go to the waterfall um, in the backyard type thing. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that was my experience. Completely different for anyone else, I guess, as well. <laughs> oh, it's so nice. I think though, like that, this common theme in people's experiences is that opportunity to like spend time with their family. And yeah, like for you getting to go and play for a club that you never would have got to play for if it hadn't happened. Like it did, it, as much as it's been hard, like it, it has brought up a lot of opportunities for people. 100%. Like I've never spent this much time back in New Zealand, you know, in the last 10 years, because with our sport, we get to, you know, it's constantly traveling and competing all over the world. It's only recently that we've actually had a tournament in New Zealand. So to be able to spend some quality time finally in our country and with our families, yeah, is a, it was a pretty cool moment and something I'll definitely, you know, value. Um, and I think that actually energized me more when I came back to be like, okay, I'm ready now. Let's go. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And did, like, did you enjoy playing 15s? Like, do you see yourself playing that in the future or have you kind of always considered yourself a sevens player? No, I love 15s. You know, I came from 15s originally. So that's where I first started. And for sevens, even was around, my dream was, you know, to be a black fern in the 15s game. So I'm still holding on to that. You know, hopefully one day I'll get to put on the black jersey for the 15s team. Um, yeah, I loved it. Two completely different games, though, like transitioning from each one, you know, it's so different, um, but so, so fun, so much fun. Alongside all the rugby that you're doing at the moment, as you said, you're a full-time player. You're also studying at university in sport and exercise science. So... Is that something that you like considered really important to prepare you for the future, or like I guess how come you've decided to have that like athlete life balance? Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, New Zealand Rugby and like the Players Association here actually really big on making sure you have a backup plan because, like anything, rugby you can only play it for so long um, before either your body goes out or you know you want to start, especially as female athletes, you want to start a family, something like that. So it's always good to have that backup plan. So. Ever since I made the team, I, as soon as I yeah, pretty much made the team, I was at high school. And then the next year, I went straight into um, part-time study. Couldn't do full-time, so I've been a part-time student um, ever since I started. So that's taken a while. <laughs> I think I'm in my eighth year of study now. Um, I've only been able to do like one or two, uh, two or three papers max a year. So it's just been very, very slow, but it's worth it because I'm at the, I'm at the end pretty much. I've only got one, two more papers left for my entire degree so there's a light at the end of the tunnel um and it's been cool though just to see these younger girls come in now kind of where you know 17 18 year old where I started and them actually picking up study too and then I guess being there for them and just you know, lending any advice or helping them out where I can and sharing what different experiences I've had to study and hopefully you know help them along their study journey too oh absolutely and I think as well like as as an athlete like you you do have downtime like I think it's so cool when people you yeah use that I guess to prepare for the future and yeah keep things ticking over yeah and I'm like obviously I love sports so I went into the you know sports side of um studying you know done a bachelor of sport and exercise science so it's been really relatable it's actually been really cool you know learning more about the technical um, aspects of sport and all the different sides of it and actually relating it to what I do in everyday life so and it's been quite handful, uh, helpful. And do you know like what you want to do career-wise with your degree after finished playing or is it like a cross that bridge when we come to it? 
Yeah. Um, so I can go, because when I first started and being a distance student, you weren't able to major anything. So I've actually been able to dabble in a little bit of everything, which has been quite cool. So I've been able to, I guess, coach side has always fascinated me. I really enjoyed the coaching aspect, um, but then also the uh, more sports science side around the body and all that. So when I actually was in high school um, and I had to choose what I wanted to do, but I already knew I was in sevens, I kind of had to you know, go down and say, first of all, I actually wanted to be a doctor. And so that was my number one, but I was like, you can't do that. You gotta be full-time. So I was like, okay, next one, physiotherapy. Okay, nah, that's full-time, can't do that. So it ended up coming down to like, you know, doing a bachelor's sport and exercise science. So one day maybe I would get back into one of these two, but at the moment, yeah, this is that degree first. <laughs> yeah, and if you go back to medicine, that'll be another what, like five yeah. years of uni. That's a long time. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of guess the sacrifice that, I had to make in regards to the study side of things like um, doing something I love and why not just add something on top of that I'm able to I guess handle and be able to do as well. That must have been so cool like finishing high school and like being like yeah I'm just going to play sevens. Yeah honestly I still pinch myself to this day. I'm like how the heck did that happen like it, it literally was this perfect timing I think just being the age I was and everything like that you know didn't really have to go into any other job or workforce and being able to come straight into you know students in a professional environment um a little bit different now obviously we're fully professional so you got these young like 17 18 19 year olds who are having to leave home and centralize um where we are um in Tauranga in the Bay of Plenty so it wasn't like that when I um first started we kind of had our different um I guess bases so I lived in Auckland so we had like an Auckland base and then there was a um Waikato base and then a Bay of Plenty base so I was lucky to be able to still be surrounded by my family and a good support system where now it's, it's not like that. These girls have to, if they get contracted, have to come and you know live in this new environment. So it can be quite tricky and tough um, for some of those girls uh, to begin with, you know, moving away from family. Oh, absolutely, you know, yeah. Yeah, like, can you cook? Can you, do you know how to do your laundry? All that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> right, last question. This came from GBT Mates. So talk to us about... <laughs> the kicking technique the kick- <laughs> like how did it come out why do we always still fall for it yeah i crack up every time you guys fall for it <laughs> i see someone shift and I'm like, <laughs> i do have a little giggle to myself i'm not gonna lie okay. and thanks for the question guys um i don't know it's just something that um you know just ended up happening and i yeah kind of just decided to do and stuck with it ever since and now it's my own little process that i do and yeah, some people still still fall for it, and it's a good old time. I still fall for it. It's yeah. like your trademark. <laughs> it's cool. I'll take that. I'll take that as a trademark. But yeah, it's just something I do. I guess just develop and have stuck to, and it works. So you know, don't fix something that's not broken. I guess. <laughs> oh no, absolutely, it's definitely effective. But uh, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. That was it's so cool to hear about your journey and what you're doing now. And yeah, all the best for prep for the Olympics going forward. Thank you. You too as well. Uh, yeah, all the best with everything with Scotland, with GB, and hopefully uh, we'll see you out on the field in um, Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Righteous among nations. Because we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister. Boat laureate, we're on the move, and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going, we're coming through. Right.
rise up, rise up, take the stage Play your game, don't be afraid We don't want your fire, our Jones of heart Always be proud of who you are